Hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research, episode 77. Jeff. This is Hunter Ginn uh, on the uh, on the other line, live from Savannah. Hello um, there, legions. 
welcome to Radical Research. Yeah, and uh, it's been a long time. We're going to dispense with any excuses uh, again because we just do this when we when we can, and um, it's a lot of fun. And I'm glad that we have seen each other since the Garm show. Uh, we failed to record an episode, but uh, we'll just blame it on a little show called "I Think You Should Leave," which took up quite a bit of our waking <laughs> our, our waking moments when we were together. Uh, what what didn't? Yeah, let's see what else took up our time. Uh, the second side of Monster Magnet Spine of God. That was sublime. Uh, sublime. What? Yes, Osium in particular. Yeah. Uh, Transit Express. Yep. Uh, Dizma. Dizma. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the the amazing listen to the second Disharmonic Orchestra album. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yes, that, yes, uh, yes. that was a bit otherworldly. Yeah. It was indeed. So always yeah. good to experience music with you in the flesh. Uh, always good to do it. A lot uh, of good food. A lot of good food. Oh, yeah. Common thread in Savannah. If you want, like, um, possibly some of the greatest food on the planet. Actually, not possibly. I mean, it's the best one of the best meals I've ever had. Thank you for common. You thread. are quite welcome. That's what it was yeah, called. Like common thread. Am I right? Yep. Yeah. And a shout nice. out to uh, Graveface. Great record store. I uh, bought a few things there. Finally broke down and bought Working With God by the Melvins. My first ever copy of Christian Death, Only Theater of Pain, which, as you know, I took my first listen to today and, and wondered why it took me this long, <laughs> decades, to get into that album. And, and the, wow, it. Um, I guess it's never too late, right? No, of course it's not. That's the beauty of music and life. And let's get into Wobbler then, because let's do it. Uh, we hope to be turning some people on. We're still in Norway. We have been in Norway for a few episodes now. We got two more after this, and then we'll we'll be heading to France. Uh, more on that later. <laughs> more on that later. But uh, this is a band that is special to us, and we've experienced live together at their one and only U.S. appearance. Yeah, probably like, I mean, really, you know, two of the few people to actually experience that. Yeah, um, and it was at Nearfest, which we've talked about before. Let's just kind of back up there. There was a lot of buzz on this band and this album, uh, this debut album, Hinterland, by the great Wobbler, uh, a quartet from Norway, as we said. It came out on Laser's Edge, our friend Ken Golden's label, and still, I, I think, remains one of the great moments uh, in aughts and 2010s prog i mean that the yeah, last, absolutely let's just say the last 20 years that's that that was a very uncomfortable way to say the last it was years. a yeah no it's a like in a very important record for me because and not to i don't know not not to draw this back to me but um my band signed with ken's other label sensory about the time that this was released and i was really really pumped up on this and i remember coming up to your place in in Virginia in like May of that year and you and I having a very very deep listen to Hinterland yeah and then and then seeing them two months later <laughs> yeah um, so yeah yeah 2005 wobbler yeah big deal yeah for sure and it's funny because there's sound, as you can hear from uh, the several snippets from the song Hinterland we just played to open the episode, is obviously dipping back into the 70s. Uh, Lars, the keyboardist, who I, you know, I think it's fair to say this band 
this band's sound revolves around him and his 17 different keyboards that he uses on each album. Uh, <laughs> and you'll hear it. We don't even want to name it, but we, I think you'll hear all these things employed throughout the episode. But um, they, yeah, they dip back into the 70s, but I don't think it's fair to ever call them retro. I think they've always had enough of their own sound. I think they've always uh, had enough of a modern twist or at least mm-hmm. a, a, a unique twist enough that they don't come off as... I don't know. I, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say Flower Kings. There's not a band I despise or hate, but it's a band that I have found to be tiringly retro. Sure. I, I agree with you. I don't think that For instance, Wobbler are revivalists in, in, a, in, a, in a kind of offensive way. Um, I, they obviously pay homage to those older traditions, certainly in the arrangements, um, in the you know, the, the appreciation of instrumental virtuosity, but yeah, they have an identity all their own. And I, I, I feel like they're such accomplished songwriters and arrangers that it would do a disservice to them to, to call them, you know, seventies plagiarists. And I guess we have to bring up seventies plagiarism simply because it exists on a pretty rampant level and has sure. for a couple, couple decades now. Whether it's good or not is up to the individual listener. But yeah, we obviously connect with Wobbler pretty hard. Uh, what I like about them is I hear everything from Sweden's Beardfish in them, uh, who are uh, a band that I think you can draw a few parallels to with Wobbler, uh, just in terms of the tools they use and the approach and this sort of one foot in modernity and uh, the other foot in the past. Uh, but also, um, you know, there's a moment in one of those snippets we heard from Hinterland that reminds me of like Rush and the Caress of Steel era sort of playing some early Genesis material. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, no. There, there's a, a heaviness to um, to to Wobbler. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that reflects that love of, well, and, you know, not only Caressa Steel, but, you know, you know, Black Sabbath at their most experimental. Uh, I think that this first vocalist that they had for um, these first two albums, uh, Tony O'Hanison, it reminds me sometimes of a kind of, post-Messiah candle mess, mm. if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, very similar tone in his voice and his phrasing. So there's just a lot going on here. I also, we, we have to mention the 70s Norwegian bands, and there aren't a ton of them, not in the way there are, say, from Italy. But there's stuff like Rufus and Blowout and Aunt Mary um, all had their own unique sounds in the 70s. And I don't think Wobbler sounds like any of them. So they're not reviving any kind of great. Norwegian. I don't think Wobbler sounds like any of those. Yeah, I don't think they they yeah. have any sort of great Norwegian tradition that they're following. So, again, I, I feel like they really are their own band and deserve to be talked about in their own here and now without sort of a whole lot of context of, of the past, if you know what I mean. I agree. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. frankly, you could... <laughs> I mean, if we wanted to frame every episode we've done in the past, that would be pretty easy to do. And, you know, Wobbler's ties to the past might be more conspicuous, but I feel like they are absolutely a contemporary band. For sure. Let's listen to, yeah, let's listen to more from what is now 16 years ago, Time Flies, uh, from their first album. This is a song called, or a bit of a song called Rubato Industry. Love this song title.
know, the courting of this album is extraordinary. Yeah. It's yeah. open, has so much air. It's obvious that it was recorded live. Yeah. And, you know, we could belabor the past all we want to, but like, this is really just a continuation of the longer tradition of experimental rock music. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I don't know. When I listen to something like that, I, I feel like, uh, what if, what if Gentle Giant had stayed together and stayed, you know, relevant and kept right. changing their sound? They might eventually happen on something like this. I don't know, but I just feel like, uh, and I bring them up only because they, they are the, the very definition of, experimental rock i mean as far as i'm concerned you know it's it's it it remains rock and remains you know full of guts and all that good stuff even balls yeah Uh, but it has that sort of like prog aesthetic whatever whatever we want to call that yeah so one of the reasons that i like the title so much because it seems to make no sense at all um (laughs) it's so rubato is a device wherein you have you know, one element keeping time and then another element perfectly out of time, I guess, weaving in and out of time. So it's maybe it's a, it's a commentary on like capitalist competition. To, to me, that also sort of hints at polyrhythm and, you know, it does. Of- it's, it's almost beyond polyrhythm. Right. But I mean, we hear a breakdown in that snippet yeah. uh, that is kind of loose. It seems to lose time for a bit and then it gets back into it. So so the mm-hmm. slack is kind of taken up and then it, it loses it and it gets back, taken back up. It's yeah, it's a kind of elasticity. Yeah. So I wonder if they were com- uh, yeah, com- quantum approach to rhythm. I wonder if they were commenting on uh, that part of the, of the song itself or if it comes from something else. We'll never we'll never really know. But um, pretty great. Well, let's move on. This. Uh, <laughs> This this album is three songs plus uh, the intro. That's the best way to describe it. They're very, very long, monolithic, hulking songs. Uh, and they end the album with a song called Claire Obscure, which is 15 minutes and it's an instrumental. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just, that's just a relentless idea. And you, you go, Wobbler. I mean, you just fucking don't care. <laughs> no. Uh, it, but it's, no that, yeah, no, it, it's a commitment. <laughs> and I hear in this instrumental I, I hear everything from voivod to like a proggy or skin yard to seven impale who are a, a modern norwegian band of note but it's Man. but it's all wobbler but this is this is why we love them so much I, I, yeah i i, I want to be in a band like that yeah these are all great touchstones <laughs> um and this is all wobbler so you your mother's name is claire by the way so um she's not she's not, she's not she's she's like pitifully not obscure no she's not obscure she's very I, I, yeah yeah no it's yeah. very obvious i wish she claire was obvious yeah i wish she was because then i could change my nickname for her mom again to claire obscure but claire i guess she's sure yeah no she's she's yeah she's seen all too often she remains mom again yeah
again, another great example of um, how you were talking about the the wonderful recording on this thing. Just so yeah. airy and, and earthy and everything and is just there. And present. I mean, yep. you really feel like you're in the room with them. Yep, absolutely. And the album rounded out with a really great album cover. This artist has done some other album covers, but uh, of the ones I've seen, this is by far my favorite. So this, I don't believe this ever came out in vinyl. I could, I could be wrong. No, perhaps no, it did. It, perhaps it did. it's been uh, reissued by now. In fact, let me, let me. Check I don't real quick. think that it has been, but no reissue. Okay, I don't believe so. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a look. All right, that's fine. I feel like by now, with it's okay that you don't trust me. No, it's I, I trust you. I'm just I trust. I trust. Uh oh, I think you're gonna be wrong. Oh, yeah, shit. yeah, it was uh released first in 2016 by a label called Panchromatic. Um, yeah. not familiar with that one on a double LP, one black, one blue. Uh, then again, by okay, the Charisma label that makes sense, Norwegian label, Charisma with a K. You no know, one should ever trust me. That was released this year, so so get on it. No shit. No okay. one should ever trust you. You just keep playing those drums, buddy, and don't don't. Yeah, talk no. About, no, with any no authority, one should ever trust me. Yep. Any authority about vinyl pressings? <laughs> Nine for sale on Discogs starting Discogs starting at twenty eight dollars plus tax. Boy, that's going to run you about fifty bucks, people. Mm. So I'll just cling on to the CD. Thank you. Do you hear any uh, either either anecdotin, uh, Anglogard, or uh, Lonberg in this? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I guess you could say all those but like anecdote is the one that like sticks with me because anecdote more than the other bands well after the first album at least really kind of have their you know their feet both in the present and the past oh anecdote definitely yeah i don't think they were um, ever all that, that i mean anglogard <laughs> i love those two anglogard records yeah love them well and there was another one later but the the original two yes um but it must be said like you know they were paying tribute in a the pretty obvious way they um, stretch out the homage we'll, we'll say they I'll do say uh, yeah. but but anecdote and um had a vision beyond that yeah and yeah. and that that always felt like there was a kinship between wobbler and, and that band and wobbler's first demo came out in 2003 so a couple years before the debut it didn't as far as i remember didn't uh get to a lot of people i believe it was only released digitally i don't think there's a physical manifestation of it i could be wrong uh but it had two songs uh one was 15 minutes the other was 13 so typical wobbler um <laughs> one was called imperial winter white dwarf and the other one was called leprechaun behind the door they went ahead and recorded some of this other stuff and retitled some of it and released it several years later as Afterglow. So it was kind of the follow-up to Hinterland four years later, but kind of not because they were basically unearthing some older stuff. Right. Nevertheless, it's a, it's a quality listen. Seems a little short, but it but it works. One of the most remarkable things about it for me is that Lars, the keyboardist, is not only talented enough to wield all these keyboards and wield them really well, but he did the uh, that awesome surrealist painting for the cover. That's him. That's kind of wild. Like that's, some people just have too much talent, and I think we've we've talked about these sort of folks uh, before. Uh, yeah, we just talked about General Giant not long ago. So. <laughs> well, there you go. 
there's a pack of boys that have too much time um, so anyway uh this little afterglow thing is, is kind of a curious second album but we're going to listen to uh, a couple moments from it stick with us because these are going to be longer snippets but we're going to do both imperial winter white and in taberna
the best Norwegian bands have a particular talent for representation. And Imperial Winter is one of my favorite Wobbler tunes. I think it just glistens with all these icy bell-like textures. It calls to mind one of my other favorite Norwegian bands who has nothing to do with metal or rock really at all, uh, Yaga Jazzist, and particularly their album, The Sticks. Um, and, and it, it like the the approach to texture just almost seems indigenously Norwegian to me. This album was a bit of a disappointment at first. I, I didn't know its origin story when I got it. Oh, okay. And I was so enthusiastic about Hinterland that this was a blind buy for me. And it it seemed really like a bit of a retreat, but you gave us the backstory and that's why. Yeah. Let's just clean up the old stuff. You know, we have compositions in our back pocket. We want to reopen that and it's new recording. It's not as if it's demo material. Um, Right. It's just based on demo material. So it was at best a lateral step for me when I got it. Um, I thought that four years later, it just didn't seem like they were going anywhere. I had a little bit of the backstory. So I kind of just, I guess my expectations were met because I thought, well, it's just sort of a coda. And at this time and in, in, in the couple of years past Afterglow until they came out with the third album, it seemed like they were just kind of dead in the water. There wasn't a lot of activity around them. There wasn't a lot of talk around them. The, the hype from Hinterland had kind of died down you know, we were still into this band, obviously, but it just didn't seem like they'd have much future. I don't know. It just, they, just, they just seem to be at a nadir or just kind of a dormant sure. phase, uh, in this in this era. But as we can hear, there's plenty of fire and plenty of hunger in some of this afterglow material. No, I mean, it, it, you know, taken on its own, especially now, like removed from, you know, the, I guess what you would call the relative disappointment of, you know, 2009, Sure. This material sounds pretty vital, really. Yeah, you know, and that makes an interesting bridge to album number three, because when I got Rights at Dawn, and I suspect it was like this for some other people, it felt like a different different wobbler. And we now know a little bit more of the story because there have been two albums since the third album. They, they have five albums total. But it seemed like they had just sort of tempered their fire a little bit, streamlined just a slight hair. Uh, I think streamlining is relative in wobbler world. And they had gotten a new vocalist and um, this guy at first and certainly within his first bits of singing on the third album, Rights at Dawn, uh, sounds a bit like John Anderson. So there were all these yes comparisons, but people were listening only to the vocal to hear that, whereas, you know, there was more to that story. So I think what we should do is listen to a little bit of uh, something from Rights at Dawn and start plowing into that album. But this is also, I, I guess, all, all that to say, it was disappointing to me at first, and I have since come to really love this album. And we all know how much the next album was universally oh, regard, uh, re- regarded. I don't think this one was universally regarded right away. I, I, total, I totally missed this at the time.
I chose that part because it seemed to display that kind of more harnessed sound. However, we're also going to hear evidence that the band was lacking nothing. They just were making a step forward. And uh, there were some new elements as well. Who is this new vocalist? Guys named Andreas Vettergreen Stroman Prestmo. We're just going to call him Prestmo. It wasn't clear how much he was going to mean to the band until the next album. But let's stick with Rights of Dawn for now. Anything to say about that one? I, I feel like, yeah, there's some, I, yes, yeah, there's some yes there, but I hear some straws and stuff like that as well. Sure. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the yes, I mean, the yes element's not just in the vocals. I mean, that sort of jangly, like semi-hollow body Steve Howe guitar tone is in there too. Oh, sure. It's a, it's, it's a different band. I thought you were going to say, uh, and you're right about the Steve Howish guitar tone. I thought you were going to say something about the bass tone, which is has that Rickenbacker, Chris Squire sort of thing. (laughs) Well, but that was there. I feel like that was there earlier, too. Well, this is true. Not not as in in such a pronounced way, but I feel like almost every band should have that bass tone. It's Chris Squire. It's Mike Rutherford from Genesis. I mean, these are the two lights. It's Getty. It's Getty. Sure. I mean, we're, we're all talking Rickenbacker playing, uh, bass yeah. playing and, and progressive rock. And um, yeah, the guy, the guy playing it for Wobbler, let's, let's name him is Christian Carl Holtgren. Uh, he's been in the band throughout all of this discography. And we're going to go to a tune now from Rights at Dawn called This Past Presence.
despite the precision of the playing and some of its more decorative aspects, the first part of that song always reminded me of Led Zeppelin three. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I hear that. And when the prog part kicks in, I don't think about England at all. I think about Italy. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. There's a certain there's drama. A, there's a, a fire and yeah. a drama to it. Yeah. That uh, reminds me more of, you know, Orme or Bonco than it does Genesis or Yes. Biglietto. Yeah, for sure. Biglietto, for sure. yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, my reference point is going to be different for that beginning part. It's going to be more of that pastoral early Genesis stuff from like Trespass. Mm. But of course, you're going to say Led Zeppelin 3. I'm not the biggest Zeppelin fan and, and you're you know more into the band than I am. But Zeppelin 3 is a, is an interesting album and you're and right definitely their that. most yeah, their most pastoral album. Pastoral mixed with a little prog, yeah. mixed with a little proto metal here and there, obviously um immigrant song. Yep. But uh but yeah, you're right on the money there. I I can hear that. We're going to jump to The River. This is one of two long form songs in the album. Of course they're going to have some long songs on the album. Uh but uh you know, this album is marked with a few shorter tunes as well, which was uh, sort of some new territory for them. But this one is called The River. Uh, lots of drama, lots of really great moments. Really hard to pick uh, just a couple minutes snippet out of this. But um, for what it's worth, here you go.
that song is one of those that's just too magical to really try to put into words. But here we are. We run a podcast, which is the intention here is to talk about music. So <laughs> I will I will attempt it. But that one is thoroughly Scandinavian. I We can make some parallels to Yes. We can hear some Griffin in that medieval ending there. But for all the parallels and, and, and uh, intersections we've made here with Wobbler and other artists, I just find that to be very Scandinavian to the point of like, they're just saying, this is ours, this is our sound. And uh, that last refrain before the medieval moment is a thing of beauty to me uh, with the harmonizing of the vocals. It does show Wobbler moving into some new territory. And I really like how it foreshadows the mind-blowing moments that are all over the next album, because I think the river is is a huge highlight of rights at dawn but what you got on the next album was nothing but highlights right and then the, the next highlight the next album is basically just a sustained highlight but yeah i mean the river is definitely moving things into a new direction but even the parts that are reminiscent of Prague's past glories you know it's one thing to cop devices uh, you know someone else's handiwork it's a whole other thing to have the chops to turn those things into something of your own. And they've, you know, they're, they're songwriters of, you know, a, an entirely uh, rarefied caliber. And we're talking pretty lengthy behemoth type songs. And I think it's hard to master that as much as it is the simpler song. It's, it's a different kind of art, I suppose. I remember uh, Jim Matheos telling me that of Fate's Warning that um, he actually finds lengthier tunes a little easier to write because there's just more freedom if it, yep. versus uh, the more straightforward songs where you are adhering to this kind of pop format and just finding the magic there is perhaps a well, little more difficult. You have to have a lot of confidence in your ideas to scale a tune back to, you know, three or four parts. You do, but I'm not. I'm not giving Wobbler. It, oh, I'm not either. Shade here because I feel like they're young kids essentially when they started, and they. It's pretty obvious that not only had they mastered their instruments, but they'd listened very broadly to a lot of different kinds of progressive rock. Sure, right. They don't uh, exude prog as this one thing and this one sound, and I think that you can hear that melting pot. You can yeah. hear that. Well, of course it's not, but you can hear that melting pot throughout the discography. Um, and um, I think Rights at Dawn is where they sort of break out and just start challenging themselves with a few things. And then, bam, they master it. Now, this band is not exactly prolific. I mean, we had debut in 2005, a follow-up four years later that was essentially older material. Uh, finally, a third album in 2011, which I, I always think of as more of the proper follow-up to Hinterland. So that's sure. say six no, no, years. No, that makes sense. That's say six years on, and then it took them another six years to release their fourth album, From Silence to Somewhere. And when they did, <laughs> it had a very similar effect as something like Voivod's The Wake, where you're like, how, how is the band? And of course, Wobbler's not as deep into their career as Voivod was with The Wake, but how is this band churning out one of their best albums now? Can, it, can I tell my story? Of course. Okay, so. You and I had gone to see King Crimson play in Raleigh the night before. And I slept on that couch in your music room. Yeah. I didn't even know that Wobbler had a new album out. And, and it had literally just come out, like within a week or so. 
Yeah. I woke up the next morning and was just, you know, rifling through things as I want to do. Hmm. And I see this record and I open it up and I just see all the, you know, the, like the pornographic catalog of instruments. <laughs> and you came in and I was like, dude, can I hear this? And I literally could not believe my ears. Yeah. That's so. Anyway. Yeah, well, let's let's hear why. This is, this is such a special album. Um, four <laughs> songs, three of them long, one of them on the shorter side. And one of those just odd things where they don't have a massive sea change, right? It's not anything legendary in terms of uh, left turn or, you know, great leap forward but they crystallize everything that they were about and make what I think a most Wobbler fans would call their defining record. I, I just think it's going to be hard for them to ever top this. Um, I'm, I'm skeptical. <laughs> you may, you may, you may not hear it in a few snippets if you're not familiar with the band, but we, we know, and uh, we know it was also very hard to pick some snippets out of this yeah, massive, and, massive and album. We also highly encourage you, however unconvinced you may be by these snippets to buy this record yeah it, it'll get its claws into you and it, it should should do it really quickly uh but let's listen to uh the title track in its full form it's over 20 minutes uh, we're gonna listen just a few minutes from it Almost kill myself, <laughs> Joe Jeans. <laughs> it's funny how like he makes that he turns that table over, makes the wave, calls it the wave, and then like uh, you know everybody's hurt and like you know in despair, and the thing just goes tits oh. up basically. And and he's he's 
he because he can't he can't handle the responsibility of what he did. He's got to lash out at this lady for like how ugly her husband is and how she bought him some chode jeans or something. Like what? Like it just. Dude, I love the boss. It's like you have got to let go of this birthday. That was a long time ago. Oh damn, dude! Can't stop talking about the show. I know. Um, you know, I'm gonna keep okay, that. Anyway. In. I'm gonna keep right, that so in. Let, yeah, gonna, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna keep that in for listeners because we really do want people to know about the, uh, the, <laughs> the, the this um, sketch comedy show on Netflix called "I Think You Should Leave." I turned Hunter onto it in my last visit. I, I've been a fan since it came and out, and it's basically disrupted my life ever since. Yeah, well, watching rewatching it with you, and we watched every single episode from both seasons. Like it, it really gave me a new appreciation for it. It's my favorite. Uh, left field comedy stuff since Children's Hospital probably. I think it's really, really, really way high up in the comedy tier of all it's time. Brilliant, yeah, it's brilliant. So we were we were kind of like texting each other while that snippet played in the background uh, about you know usually we 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 will discuss things that are playing and kind of stick to our focus, but uh, it did veer to chode jeans and things like this. So uh, sorry, listeners. Let's let's get back what, to Wobbler. Let's talk about this little. <laughs> brick shit house of an album called from <laughs> silence to somewhere nice segue good classic <laughs> i like that and listening to this and i try sometimes i try to imagine myself listening to this show not not as myself but as a you know a third party listener yeah there's there's probably nothing like you said nothing like revolutionary sounding about this compared to the other stuff but there's this so like a self-assuredness and a confidence. And, and I think you've said like a crystallization of all the things that came before th that is so present in what we just played. And even if we couldn't capture the, you know, the, the full majesty of this thing, and, and we can't. I mean, the, the only way to do it is to buy the record and listen to it in yes. its entirety. It and is. not only that, but to absorb the artwork, to look at that majestic list of instruments it really it really is a, like a kind of a total experience but nonetheless like i think you can hear a band that has like fully come into its own oh yeah yeah I, well i'm glad you mentioned the artwork because this is part of the presentation right i think the cover is fantastic There's something very special about that and then inside the booklet, I'm looking at the CD, there's that picture uh, of a person who looks re kind of recently buried and, and almost <laughs> still somewhat alive, but, but dying. It's, it's right. a very interesting piece of art. I failed to look up the background of that one. I don't know if you know anything about it, but I think it's arresting. And I think it, it sort of <laughs> brings together the dichotomy of their sound in, in, in the way of the polar the sort of the, the different poles of emotion right the north sure absolutely they kind of do gather everything we like about progressive rock under one roof yeah i don't know just the, the evocative imagery just works so well in its favor on this album as well so let's listen to two bits of two other songs that are really key on this album fermented hours great song title and fox, an amazing song title <laughs> and fox light these are the two songs that end the album. They are 10 minutes and 13 minutes, respectively.
think that last moment in Foxlight from that snippet anyway is um, very hypnotic. Absolutely. Is that like a, there's a, there's a zither like quality or a harpsichord quality to that. Mm-hmm. What do you think that is? I probably harpsichord. Yeah. It's, it's well-played. And um, I suppose between those two snippets, you get a lot of different kinds of instrumentation. Um, certainly if you were listening to the full songs and indeed the full album, you would hear <laughs> the span, the, uh, I don't know if you called it pornographic display of, of instrumentation, <laughs> um, but it is, it is pretty great. And they, they, yeah, they might list a lot of things uh, as being utilized on the albums uh, in the liner notes, but you hear them too, right? It's not just, hey, yeah, no, it's not novelty. It's not, yeah, not, not pageantry. None of that. I mean, they're, they're like, he's actually using all of those things. Yeah. And really on the whole, it strikes me that listening to Wobbler in this in this fashion, uh, it reminds me yet again how much great music there is out of Norway. <laughs> and we are we are you know we lay our fealty at uh, the feet of, of of Norway. It's it's just such an incredible thing. And we're going to close out. We we're, we're cruising through this. I'd like to mention that next episode we're going to be very much following up much quicker. We're going to be ripping through the Monumentation album by Enslaved. This is a very special album for both of us. It certainly is radical research material, uh, the band's weirdest, the band's most progressive. And we're going to have a little discussion about that very special album and be hitting a lot of highlights. Huge um, album for, <laughs> for both of us. Monumental, you might say. You, you, you might say that. You might say that. Hey, we want to thank listeners Wade Tilton, Judd Hamilton, and a guy who left a very generous anonymous donation. Uh, he didn't give a name, but, I, but I'm pretty sure he's emailed us before. I just haven't lined him up and, and done the, uh, the footwork to find out who that was. But um, there was no name listed on his donation. But despite that, we want to say thank you so much to Firecode Core. Uh, that was part of his email. That's the only thing I could make out. I want to thank him for his support. And uh, he also did mention that he'll eat his hat if we don't cover Voivod for the 100th episode, as we promised. So, um, <laughs> well, we, we, don't we, will. we don't want to cause anybody any indigestion issues or anything like that. So we will go ahead and uh, honor that when we get to 100. But, you know, we have a few more to go until we get there, including Monumention for number 78. And these two snippets to take us out of the Wobbler episode from the Dwellers of the Deep album from 2020. Now, they followed up from Silence to Somewhere relatively quickly for Wobbler. Three years it took them. Lateral step and a good one. Like one that I once I was like, oh, okay, they're not pushing forward on this one. Uh, We still got some great songs. It was a little bit like if From Silence to Somewhere had been a double album and this was the sort of second album. Any thoughts on this one? I came late to this one too, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I like it. I can't help but be a little disappointed. You know, it's like um a fine day to exit. Like ah. amazing record, but it's you know, its principal sin is living in the shadow of judgment. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to, that's, you know what, that that's my shortcoming. Well, as I learned with rights at dawn, you know, these albums can be um, visited years later and then maybe you find them at that point. Uh, and really, you know, from silence to somewhere still seemed new to me when dwellers of the deep came out. Right. So, right. you know, it, it was yeah. a lot to digest. It was like more wobbler to digest. And maybe I, I wasn't ready, but I love it. Yeah. This is a, we're going to listen to two cuts from dwellers of the deep 2020 came out that magical year. Uh, strikes me that that's some of the most modern music we've ever played on our podcast. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Probably the most contemporary stuff we've ever yeah, played. 2020. This is two bits from 
The song is called Five Rooms and Mary Macabre. Waiting in for room to sleep. 